The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Love the... Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me, as always, as co-host, is Fishing Rico4. How are you, buddy? Mate, I'm bloody fantastic. <laughs> I'm excited. I've been singing, we've got the power to win, and then I've been singing, cheer, cheer, the black and the white, and Tango's been going around bananas. It's just been a great weekend, I've got to say. Couldn't get much better, but I'll tell you what, mate, I'm totally is a Roman sandal about this one. We've got a a very, very special guest on the podcast this evening. He's an inspiration to all Port supporters, both on and off the field. He's one of the pioneers of the One Club campaign. We are talking with Graham Corns. No, we aren't talking with Graham Corns. We're talking with Port Adelaide champion, Timmy Ginevere. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm well, but this interview's finished now. You've just insulted me. (laughs) Oh, that's it. Uh, sensational, you. yes. What a weekend, eh? Crikey. Couldn't ask for a better weekend, mate. Absolutely Unreal. Fantastic. I mean, uh, gee whiz, I mean, the two games, the, the one at uh, Adelaide Oval where I was just so excited. Look, to be honest, I've been pushing Sammy Gray's name for three years and saying, look, just rookie him. I'm telling you, this kid can play. Absolutely. And uh, I do a lot of one-on-one stuff with, uh, with Sammy. And, um, you know, I was so pleased when he got drafted and on the rookie list. But then, yeah, so he did his shoulder just before... Uh, Christmas, and then uh, got back, and luckily he got back just before those uh, trial games started, and then got an opportunity. And when you get one, you got to take it. So, gee, did he take it? And then on Sunday, uh, it was my birthday, and I popped down to Alberton, and gee, what a birthday present! Oh, it was an absolute ripper! Happy birthday, Merry Christmas, all in one. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bit like that. Gee, was look, I'm sort of glad that the result as in 152 points, happened in round two and not round one because there would have been an almighty fear go through the SNFL saying, oh, this is what we thought would happen. They're going to be too strong, you name it. But I'm glad that Norwood, they were good enough to beat Port Adelaide in the first round and uh, Adelaide haven't won a game yet. And I think that's just settled everything down a little bit. And I think we now know that there's there's got to be a lot of work done down at the Baker to get them up and running. Absolutely. I reckon... Uh... Every other SANFL club would have beaten them by 100 points yesterday. They were that bad. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a great display. And, and you certainly saw that uh, the lads, I think, were, I think the Magpie boys were very disappointed in their round one. And I, I know talking to Stephen Summerlin, as I do a fair bit, he, he was saying that, uh, you know, they were, they were a bit shell-shocked by the, the real attack that Nord brought on and the heat they brought on and the pressure they brought on. So full credit to them. And, uh, he said we really want to make amends for that, and it was certainly a, a great, greater performance. But uh, yeah, I think I think the poor old uh, Bays may struggle this year. Definitely, definitely. Look, as we do with all the new guests on the podcast, um, and I'm sure there's listeners out there um, who are either too young or didn't get a chance to see you in action. Um, but can you give us yeah. just a, a bit of a background of your history with the Port Adelaide Footy Club? Ah, yeah. Look, it was one of those things. I, I was uh, one of ten kids. I had five older brothers, and uh, Wow. They were desperate for me to to uh, become a footballer and and play for Port Adelaide. We we barracked for Port Adelaide all our lives, and you know it was just a dream. And then the opportunity came when I was about fourteen to uh, train with the under seventeens, and 
eventually that year I played under 17s at 15 and um, went through all the junior grades and then got my league debut at 17, 1983 at Thebbin and Oval. Uh, the rain and the mud, cold showers afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the career was born. And then, uh, yeah, sort of, I probably took two or three years to establish myself. I, I want to reserve best and fairest. And a lot of people probably think, yeah, you went in straight away and started playing. But, yeah, no, I did my apprenticeship, played probably nearly 50 games of twos footy and then okay. went on to play 314 league games for the club. And, you know, um, I was vice-captain to Greg Phillips and then captain in my own right for four years and three premierships in a row. So um, in the end, won seven and uh, had just the best time. And, you know, one of the one of the great things I think about it was, you know, yesterday at the footy, I was with, you know, a lot of those guys that I played through that time with and we were just it were just such good mates and such a, you know real close-knit unit that it uh, it just continues on past our years and gee I've been retired 17 years and some of the guys even longer than that and it just feels like we're in the locker room when we get together it's uh yeah it's very funny and uh, sometimes yeah sometimes <laughs> it's good to be around but sometimes it's not yeah, <laughs> so, yeah they're, they're good characters it's um it's funny you um you talk about, you know, you did your time in the reserves and earn your penance. I think with the modern AFL football, it's uh, it's forgotten, especially with the young kids now, uh, you know, that they need to do their time and uh, and do the penance, be it in the uh, in the uh, AFL reserve system that we've got now or or beforehand in the SANFL clubs. And, and people just seem to have such a high expectation of these kids uh, coming into the game against uh, adults. Look, yeah, all of them got to remember too. They're only eighteen years of age, and not too many people uh, do make it straight up when they're they're young. There's not too many Chad Wingards and Gavin Wanganings in the world. You know, they, no, they are freaks of nature, and they and they they adapt straight away and all the rest of it. So everybody has a different journey, and I've said that to many a, a young fella coming through that it takes time. And you know, we saw Josh Carr look like he was going to get, you know, probably not even make the list, and uh, you know, just got that opportunity uh, to be a tagger, and then. You know, he had a sensational career and was one of our best players. But that that was a long journey, you know, through the SNFL for Josh and, and one that was probably frustrating for him at the time. Dom Cassisi, I can remember doing some work for Foxtel and uh, we had the, the half-hour of pass. So I do all the interviews with the players and um, one of them was Dom Cassisi. And, you know, uh, I can remember him being really frustrated in those 2000, sort of two, 2003 years. And, and then 2004, he started to get his chance again as a, as a, a, a run with player and eventually plays in a flag in 04 and still playing today and been our captain and done an exceptional job. So, you know, everybody's journey is different. And I'd say that you just got to keep working, keep having the, the dream, but have the desire to do the right thing and get there, whichever path it takes you. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Well, look, let's go on to our love-hate, which is one thing we loved and one thing we hated in and around the Port Adelaide Footy Club this week. Rick, I might start with you, mate. What was your love and hate? Oh, look, I think, Macca, the love for me this week was uh, seeing a great turnout at Adelaide Oval for the our first real, I guess, true neutral home game Um against a, a non-SA side. Uh, I thought 36,000 people there was fantastic. Keith Thomas, after the game, said they would probably budget for 20 to 23 at Amy. So, um, you know, having those numbers stack up was amazing. Um, you know, and I think against Geelong in two weeks' time, we should be um, pushing for 40, hopefully, and there'll be a great atmosphere. We've really got a cauldron going there, which is, um, as Tim would remember, the, like the 80s and 90s, what our supporters uh, used to do. 
Love it. That's, <laughs> That's it. <good> and <laughs> uh, what about your hate, mate? Uh, look, you've got to be a hard man to please to hate anything this weekend. I, I don't really have a hate. The only thing I would have is a, a very, very minor criticism. Um, Macca, as you know, we had the locker room tickets this weekend, and uh, and this is how far I'm going to find something a bit critical. Is <laughs> you know after after Indeed. the game. Yeah, digging deep. After the game, you know, the boys are singing the song and we're watching it from the locker room and it's fantastic, but there's just no audio there, right? So we're just watching it in mute. So that's probably, that's probably that was, and everyone said the same thing. Oh, it'd be great to, great to have heard the boys sing the song. Uh, I could understand not having a microphone there the whole time, but, you know, maybe the, the club can look at, um, you know, for in the future, maybe just having a microphone if we win and we're singing the song that, you know, the, the people that are in the locker room can maybe uh, enjoy that experience. That's it. Agree 100%. Uh, Timmy, what was your love and hate, mate? Uh, look, my love was. Definitely Sammy Gray making his debut. I, I, I think it was a win for the, the pure footballer, the, yep. the kid that uh, just knows how to play the game and, and not the athlete, you know, so not the six-foot uh, two running machine that, you know, has got the build and does all the times and all the, you know, AI, AIS testing. This kid is just a raw footballer. And you saw the way he turned experienced blokes inside out and kicked goals and, you know, his hands were so sharp and alert. It just proves that... You're a good footballer. You can play at any level, and, and and that was my absolute love to see that happen on the weekend, and uh, him just make people look silly in his first game. So, well done to Sammy Gray, and and I'll, not a hate, but more of an observation. I watched our academy team, which is the, playing in the SNFL reserves yep. competition, and I saw them the week before, and I thought they were very impressive when they beat Nord at Nord, but it just um, sometimes you see them. Every, the game's very short kicking. And uh, you can see them coming out of defence, and then there's a, there's a longer target, but they'll go to this short one, and you miss it. It turns straight over and goes back over your head, and you know, mm-hmm. and Cage and gets a goal. And all the rest of it, and I just reckon at times that, especially there was some particular movements going into a forward fifty where, you know, there was a, a barely a fifteen meter kick when there's the longer one to a taller option that I, I, I thought could have been used. Um, and so just sometimes it's they watch too much television. And yep. they're probably watching Hawthorne, who are the best short-kicking team going around. <laughs> and then they think that I can copy that and I can do that. So I just reckon a man's got to know his limitations, <laughs> what he's good at, what he's not. And That's I reckon it. one of the best blokes to watch for that was Michael Wilson when the game was changing. Michael Wilson never kicked short. You know why? Because he said, I can't. I'm no good at it. <laughs> and <laughs> so we'd run with all that power and then courageously run through the line of the football, get all of it, and then he would penetrate and just go as long as he possibly could, uh, hopefully to the advantage of, of a teammate. But uh, he just said, look, I'm not a good short kick, and so why should I do something that I'm not good at? Good on you, mate. Mm. It's all with your strength. Fair enough, too. Fair enough. Oh, what go. a great player he was, too. Oh, so. geez, I, was, I was talking to him a weekend of the showdown because we um, – I, I, I'm not going to say I played. Uh, I, I was out on Adelaide Oval during the the, the uh, pre-game Fletcher's <laughs> game that they had <laughs> part of the uh, entertainment. But Wilbur was in that, and she was he looking fit. Just finished an Ironman, uh, Melbourne Ironman, which he did uh, for a charity. And man, oh man, is he looking fit? Was mm. a machine. Uh, a lot better than myself and George Fiacci, Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I said I was. Like, I said I was like Derek Root, uh, Zoolander. My knees bugger. I can't turn left. I can't go. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> good and what about yours, Craig? Well, look, my love for this week is Mitch Harvey. 
Um, it's the fourth yep. time I've seen him play this year, third time live. Um, and I've got to say, I'm now a believer. Um, he's just so strong on the lead. He's got such strong hands, can take a really good grab, especially a pack mark. He's, he's a really good yep. pack mark. And he's just such a beautiful kick of the footy. Just his goal-kicking action is just perfect. It's unbeatable, fantastic ball drop. He calms himself down, and he just slots them from any angle, really. Um, if he can improve his tank, he's going to be a very, very good AFL footballer. Matt Randell's nephew, I heard. He is, yes. Yep. Good, good pickup. Absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah. and did he... I was going to say, did he look a little bit fitter than from the start of the pre-season, Macca? Could you see a bit of extra fitness there? I think he's certainly slimmed down a little bit more um, than what he was showing sort of around the time of the uh, that St Kilda trial day. Um, and he is looking a bit uh, a bit fitter. Um, I was a little bit critical of him that day uh, just because he, he just couldn't get near the ball. But um, yesterday he presented really well, got the ball, delivered it well, kicked a few goals, You know, did everything you could hope for. Uh, from an 18-year-old key forward, really. Yeah, I think uh, another pre-season, and uh, he, he could really jump up very yeah. quickly, I think. So, yeah, good Definitely. good choice. And my hate, it's... Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing really to hate this weekend, is there, <laughs> really? I mean, there's it's only a very minor criticism, a little bit selfish as well. Um, yesterday in the second quarter of the SANFL game, uh, we had three players get injured in the space of about 90 seconds um, and they're all hobbling off the ground at once. Um, and we didn't actually have an interchange for about 15 minutes in that second quarter. And I reckon if we had the interchange going then, uh, we probably could have won by about 170 points and kicked another <laughs> three or four goals. Uh, so that's my uh, <laughs> that's my dislike for the week this week. Ooh, yeah, no, fair call too. A bit harsh, but... <laughs> sure. Sure. Tough, brutal, tough, tough judge. <laughs> That's it. Maybe, uh, maybe Glenelg should have played all Dinger last weekend. <laughs> oh, gee, I, I got to admit, was it? I, I, yeah, I keep an eye on the uh, the Amateur League stuff, and gee whiz, there unfortunately is some serious stuff going on in the grades where there's, you know, a couple of teams who just have uh, been decimated by walkouts, and yeah, they're getting smashed. Unfortunately, and I don't think that's good for footy. No, no, it's not. 300 no, points you is You don't ridiculous. want to see 300 point thrashings, no. No. I, play, I played in a couple of those in grade eight, you know, and maybe you can mm-hmm. expect it in grade eight, but uh, you wouldn't expect it in the high grades. No, that's not that's not, oh. uh, not great. So hopefully they can rectify that soon. Mm. Yes, but uh, good to be on the good end of them, not the bad end. We got the power to win, power to roll. You, uh, what did you actually think of Brisbane? Are they, are they headed for bottom? Well, look, we'll talk They're going about to be that close. Now. Yeah, we'll, we'll go on to the AFL review. It was the 2004 Premiership Celebration match. Port versus Brisbane. Saturday Arvo. Such a lovely day at Adelaide Oval. A massive 36,000 people there, as Rick said before. And we delivered the mother of all spankings to Brisbane. It was our second biggest win of all time at AFL level. We won 24 goals, 15 to 7 goals, 4. 113 points. Schultze kicked his equal career high uh, with seven goals. Uh, Sammy Gray, White and Westhoff kicked three, and Robbie Gray kicked two. Um, now, Brisbane, yeah, I, I reckon they're a big chance for the Spoon this year. They just... I, I don't think it's their own fault. I mean, we, we saw them lose sort of four or five young players at the end of last year, and they just don't have the depth or the quality at the moment to, uh, to carry it on. It was one of the things that sort of got touted when Vossi was 
you know, dismissed that he uh, didn't play the kids enough. And it was one of the things that they sort of mentioned that uh, perhaps was on his on his cross sheet when they when they said goodbye. But um, and one of the reasons why some of them wanted to leave that they thought that they weren't quite getting the game time that they would have thought. But um, tough call, and you know, it looks like that you know they're certainly not going to go forward uh, this year um, no. with what they've got at the moment. So tough, tough one for Justin Lepich to walk into as well. So yeah, no, I, I, I've um, always sort of admired, obviously those Brisbane teams that were awesome through the early two thousands, but it's going to be some tough yards for them, I think coming up. So yeah, them, um, Carlton, of course, um, going to push them for that position as well. And Melbourne had a good win against them. So <laughs> yes, no, I didn't think it was great, but as far as Port Adelaide goes, I think the thing I love the most about it, was that it was uh, a ruthless four-quarter effort. There was no taking the foot off. And mm. in times gone by, I think in, in the previous sort of five years that we struggled after 07, I reckon there would have been, you know, oh, that's just a win and we win by 30 or 40 points, you know, or something like that. But this was yeah. a real brutal performance. And what I, I think was a, one of my highlights was the game's done and dusted. We're about 12 up and Brad Ebert, Chases and chases and chases and gets a rundown just as he goes to kick the ball at around about half four. And I go, that's just setting the standard that you want all day, all the time, every quarter, every minute. And and mm. his leadership as far as the way he's playing has been superb, really impressive. Superstar. Such an underrated player. And, he, getting, um, and getting better. That's the thing. Brad, Definitely. Brad Eber gets a lot of love on this podcast for those five <laughs> hours. So. He does. And, good. <laughs> and the, and the support and the supporters do appreciate it, and I think they really notice it now. Um, you know, he's an amazing gut runner, and uh, you know he's so strong physically now. I mean that that mark, which uh, was a good kick to him mm. uh, in the in the last, but you know where Pittard kicked it between three players, but he still had to execute a strong mark, and you know he's uh, he's a complete footballer, and he's tidied up those skills, and uh, yeah, he's going to take us a long way. Totally agree, and uh, yeah, we got a, we got a reasonable we got a reasonably tough uh, month coming up, and uh, yeah. we, well, even we five have, weeks. Yeah, we've got we Hawthorne after the run of four. Yeah, so West Coast, Geelong, Frio, and then the the Hawks after that that sort of break. But yeah, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a good month, but you know, I reckon yes. the great thing about it, and this is what Ken Hinckley said before the season. I just loved they interviewed him, and of course they go, "Well, a bit of a tougher draw this year." He said, "But well, hey, on." We play everybody once. We play everybody once. So then you get a fair gauge of where you're at in the competition. And yep. that's what it is. It's a competition. And then we play, you know, what would they do after that? Another five games. So, you know, a draw's a draw, a draw. You don't know what's going to happen. Teams go from bottom to top. All those sorts of things happen. So I love that attitude. And it's, and it's automatically it's slapped down as an excuse. Yep. That is gone. It's out the door. So you've got the West Coast over there. They're banged up a little bit. I saw Nat Nui look like he had a calf. Um, don't know if Lecrae will be back. And, yeah, you know, they're very good players. So we always do reasonably well against them. I think we've got a very good win-loss record against them. So why not knock them over and then um, have, a, have a look at uh, Geelong at Adelaide Oval? And, gee, they got a tough one. they got to play the Hawks. i got a, I got a strip. They probably could have won it. I've got to strip it back, though, Tim. I reckon even 
2004. Um, even we could go as far back then. Our team seemed to have a habit of. Uh, you know, taking the foot off the throat and sort of just coasting to the line. And as a, and as a supporter and, and on the forums as well, there was always a lot of supporters that were frustrated by that. Uh, and, I mean, I, I was always a big advocate, you know, of just pushing it out for the full game and, and really oh, just brutal. crush and yeah, crushing the opposition because it's not only, as you would know more so than us, you're not a, you're not only crushing the opposition the the week you're playing and for the future game you play them, but it also sets a standard for the for the following week with the next team that you're coming up against as well, doesn't it? Oh no doubt, and it's it's a real good mindset when you've got a good team unit going along. I reckon it's nothing better than developing a real ruthless attitude to to winning, and and it can be so infectious. Uh, the best period of football that I reckon I went through was in 1989 with a side that, you know, boasted a lot of very good names. We mm. played the other four top teams in the middle of the year and Jack sent us a, a bit of a, a task and said, right, here's the next month. And it was, uh, we played the Bays, Norwood, North and Centrals. And he said, right, you've got it, you know, we're going to set ourselves, we're going to win those four and try and clear ourselves away from the pack type mentality. Now, uh, I think the the smallest win was seventy two points. <laughs> it was against the other four top teams. We smashed them all. We I think we beat the Bays by about one hundred and seventeen at Alberton. We beat Norwood by about eighty three. We beat uh, North Adelaide by seventy two. That was a low one, and we beat uh, Centrals by one hundred and something. So it was just a, an incredible month of football. But that was that mentality that you're talking about. It was just, no, 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 we're not here just to win. We're here to be ruthless, absolutely ruthless. Mm. And when we're on top, we just get further in front. Mm. But back oh, then, right. you guys you guys were August specialists, weren't you? Every, every August, uh, Port Adelaide would come to the fore after a bit of a July or June slump and, uh, and just start making that momentum come to the finals. Jack's theory was uh, you have a good pre-season. You've always got to be fit. And, and he's, he's, I don't think I've ever seen a player have a really good year if he hasn't had a good pre-season. So that's, a, that's really good advice. He said, then you go and put some money in the bank, which means go and win early games. Make sure you've got uh, you know, your first half a dozen, you're in good nick. He would deliberately train us a little, um, a little hard, say, in around about May. And then uh, when the grounds got heavy, he'd lighten up or something on us but he would always then tip the asset on us early August and make sure we were ready for September and his whole thing was he said to me it's like a Melbourne Cup he said I've got to have you ready for the Cup mate I've got to have you ready for the Cup mm. I'm not worried about you know here and here he said I've just got to make sure that you, you guys are, uh, are ready to go in in, uh, in the right time and Jeezy was bloody good at it he had a he had a, a master graph going and we used mm. to follow it to the letter <laughs> and- it's the Jack Pale special, you know, we, we always seem to lose games in sort of July and everyone would write us off and then suddenly we'd just keep winning premierships. It was, a, it was a nice little habit. It was a nice little habit. But I think that came obviously with the belief that was um, developed by winning, you know, especially those, uh, those late 80s, that, that set the tone. And for the, for the core of players that went through that whole, you know, 12 years, nine flags out of 12 or something ridiculous, you know, in the 90s, which... Uh, it really was a fantastic, you know, precinct to be set, but it was all all done in that late eighties, and you get a lot of belief out of winning. It's as simple as that, and then you you take it from there. Which I can, I'm seeing develop in this this A grade side at the moment. This this AFL team has just uh, got a real belief about them that they can take on and, and beat anybody. 
and uh, they're prepared to work for it, which is great. What did you guys think of Justin Westhoff on Saturday? No, I enjoyed his game. Yeah, mm. no, I enjoyed his game. Um, the thing I enjoyed about it was that he didn't have to be the staying role. You had Schultz, you kicking seven, you had other guys contributing, all the rest of it. But he still did really important stuff. And what I'm seeing at the moment, he's such an intelligent footballer. There was a, a situation down in the uh, northeastern pocket, and he was being held on to, and he knew he couldn't mark the ball. So he just put one hand out and palmed it to, I think, Robbie Gray, who was front and centre. He knew what he was doing. And I thought, gee, this guy is miles ahead. He's in, so intelligent now. And what I'm loving about him is he's become a consistent footballer. We all knew he could play. We all knew he could do magic, but he was just so inconsistent that it frustrated everybody. But, man, underneath Ken Inkley the last two years, he has been anything but, you know, absolutely outstanding. Superstar. Mm. Five contested marks and three goals. He was fantastic on the weekend. Mm. What I, yeah. what, what I like about him, though, is his skills. I mean, for a big guy, I mean, what is he, 199 centimetres? He, he delivers with his skill set nearly on every time. It's amazing. Yep. yep. Left, right, you name it. But it's all the, the smarter one percent of stuff that I'm really enjoying in his game. And I think he's obviously getting recognised for it too by you know the, the people that count, and that's your peers and your coaches. Because if you're pleasing them, you always get a go. Simple as that. Mm. Mm. Something yeah, I want be. to talk about is uh, is our defence. I mean, they just look so impressive at the moment. Our key defenders have only conceded six goals in the four games so far. That's ludicrous. Um, Gee, it's guys like Brody. Stuff, How good has Brody yeah. been? Oh, look, I, I reckon that was a real stinger round one. Real stinger being sub. Yep. And I reckon it came out of nowhere. I reckon it, it, it blindsided him. And, man, he responded in, in, in the best manner how. Now, it's one of those things you can go in the corner and cry about it or you can go, well, what is, is, and when I get my chance, I'll absolutely rip it apart, which is what he did. His attitude was superb. He got on. He had nine touches and, well, I think Mick Mollier said he was almost the game changer. Yep. And um, he not looked back. He said, basically, I don't want to be sub anymore. And, and Matty White the same. Did exactly the same and mm. probably the best game I've seen him play on the weekend. So those guys uh, are taking their opportunities. And I agree, down back has been superb. The only thing I was probably saddened by was that looks like Jack Homschmann had twinged a bit of a hammy. So that was the only thing I was a bit down about because I reckon he's been superb back there with the likes of, you know, Jacko and Bobby Carlo hold up the spine. Yes, he's been a revelation, that's for sure. Do you think yeah. he's, uh, he's someone that could sort of morph into a, a Chad Corns-like midfielder? Uh, potentially, potentially, because I, I think he's okay aerobically. Um, he, he, you know what he sort of – he half reminds me of the job that Josh Gibson does every week for Hawthorne. Yeah. He, he's that sort of guy, incredibly courageous. I mean, you watch him play. He does not pull out. He does not flinch. He does not take his eye off the footy. He is superb to watch. Um, so that's what I, I love about him. And anybody's going to put their body on the line. And we've got a couple of them down there. I mean – um, we've forgotten about Tommy Jonas. Gee whiz, mm. I love the way that bloke plays. God, I was saying on the weekend, he looks awkward, especially kicking, but he's a bit like Paul Northeast. Everybody used to laugh at the way Norther kicked, but Norther didn't miss too many. And Jeez, it was effective. Tommy's the same. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And Tommy's the same. He doesn't miss too many, and he takes nothing from nobody. And, you know, they give him a tall or a small, he's like, yep, yeah, I'll beat him. And I love his attitude. Oh, he's a and forum favourite. Absolutely. He is. He's and he's hard. the forum favourite. <laughs> See, I know their mm. footy. And I'm telling you, Jack used to say to us when we lost, and he'd give it to us, and he'd say, "What do you think? You think those people out there, they don't know what you're doing? 
they've been watching football for over 100 years. They know football. And he'd go, he'd go off his head and say, you can't fool them. They know. And, and he was dead right. I mean, you know, our supporters, you, you got it in the neck if you didn't play well. I don't remember that. And you got the slaps on the back when you did play well. So it was, uh, to me, it was the expectation um, of the football club and its supporters that kept us accountable. I loved it. Well, it's, if we're talking about accountable, I, I want to bring up this hot topic. It's been hot, and I think you're the great man to give some very impartial advice on this one. And Craig's mm. sick, sick and tired of me talking about it week in, week out. <laughs> uh, and the forum's sick of me talking about it because I'm a massive Jasper Pittard fan. I defend him every week because I love his game style. He, he's a, a true, to me, Port Adelaide halfback flanker. He's willing to do the one percenters. He's willing to do the hard play. Um, he's willing to take the game on and run and carry the ball which we we really need especially in modern football as much as what we did in the yesteryear uh, but a lot of people are still critical of Jasper um, for the odd disposal um, error that he has here and there uh, for me I'm willing to overlook that uh, a lot of people think that he probably should be dropped to the seconds um, to uh, to learn the skills whereas my argument is I think he needs to stay in the senior side to, because for me, it's just the tempo of the game that I think he needs to pick up. And you pointed out something else, which I noticed with, when you talked about Michael Wilson and how he said he just kicks long because he was not very good at kicking short. And I've noticed that with Jasper too. His short kicks are where he comes undone every now and again. And it's, and it's his long tick kicks which are very effective. And maybe that's what he should concentrate on as well. So I'd love to get your opinions on how Jasper's gelling into the team for a 35-game player. Well, I suppose from the coach's point of view, I know that he's uh, he's liked by the coach. So there, there's number one. Now, if Ken Engley likes him well, then he's in, he's in my playbook as well. So that that's first and foremost. What I would, if I had anything to do with Jasper, I would just say where he lets himself down is when he thinks too much, and I can mm-hmm. see it going through his head. And he's trying to make three and four, and then the fifth decision, and then that's when something comes undone. I would always say, and this is one of the great lines from the great man, was your first thought's normally your best thought and go with it. Yep. And I reckon if when he does that, he's far better at execution. When Because he, he is quick, he gets away, he gets a bit more time than other players, he's then thinking too much. I reckon keep it simple, mate. Go with that first thought, hit that first target every time, and you'll be the most efficient bloke going around. That's the only thing I would, I would say in Jasper's game that would make him then step right up. And, and perhaps erase any of the, the forum talk that you're talking about. Because Beautiful. I reckon his brain goes at 100 miles an hour and it's just his skill level just isn't up to that yet. Um, but yeah. if he works on that, then he will be an absolutely mighty player. But see, I'm, I'm one of those people that if you can execute it once, it means you can always execute it. Yep. Uh, and then, therefore, what is happening in in that decision-making? Because that's where it is that, that's letting him down. Because we've all seen him execute beautiful kicks. But what, what I reckon gets in the way is the clouded thinking of too many decisions. Quickly, first thought, bang, just do it. Well said. So you would, so you think he's, he deserves to keep his place in the side, or do you think oh, that I think he's, uh, I think he, the SANFL's... No, nah, I, I look, and I thought his game on the weekend was a lot better and, uh, and where it should be. And uh, I, I like to see him now do that against, say, West Coast and Geelong in the next two weeks and really... Uh, cement himself because let's face it, it it's getting tough to get a spot in that team these days <laughs> and it's uh, people that are coming in as we see they're, they're all playing well you know Matty White uh, you know came for more game time gets subbed in the in the uh, the game against um, 
uh, the second round, wasn't it? Um, and just exploded when he came on uh, against the Crows. And he was outstanding. And he said, well, that's me done for that. I want to get back on, <laughs> which is the desire that you want in a player. And he's he's saying that. So it's getting really tough. So I, I would just be thinking, well, while you're in, it's harder to get out when you're in. So keep doing the things that you know will make you the best player for the team. And you'll never go out that team. That's the thing. You'll only go out by injury. And that's how, that's basically what's happened in the last couple of weeks it's only been probably injury and and uh, Johnny Butcher went back and kicked five so good boy well done that's it I get very confused about Jasper because every time I think he plays really really well everyone seems to criticize him every time I criticize him everyone seems to think he played really really well I I just can't get it right with him I, I don't know what it is but I thought he was fantastic on the weekend and yes he made a couple of errors but the stuff the good stuff that he did he did about 20 to 25 really really good smart you know, really effective things on the weekend. And that's why I thought he had such a great game. And I had him well in my best players. Yeah, and I think I think you made the point earlier, which I think is probably the most important point, was he's played, what, 35, was it? Did you say, games? Yep. yep. Yeah. 35, yeah. So we're a long way. I always think it's, it's almost experimental time with players until they get to 50. And then you're saying, well, hey, by now, you should have cleaned up those things that we've been talking to you about. Okay, so I reckon it's always a 50-game uh, checking point, and you say, okay, ha- where have we come from, from game one to game 50, in all those things that we need you to improve on. So I think if you were doing that and scaling that with Jasper, you'd be saying, okay, well, we're seeing the graph go up. He's, he's definitely improving in the things that we wanted him to do. So that's that's a good sign. And that's what you could probably do with, with most players. And I, I do some one-on-one stuff with Hamish Hartlett as well, and it was one of the things I said to him, uh, just like last year, I said, you know, he was just going through that patch, you know, when they said, oh, he's being tagged out of it and all that business. I sat him yeah. down and, and mm-hmm. just said, look, it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. Let's go back and have a look. You know, so, you know what the other thing is? You've played like 11 games in a row. I said, when's the last time you did that? And he's going, oh, yeah, no, I, I haven't done it. I said, yeah, correct. So we're going to go through. We're going to get, you know, every game, hopefully this season. I think I only missed one. Um, and... Uh, you know, that's going to be really good. And, and then you, you're doing all these things. And at the end of the year, you're going to be at your 50-game mark. And his, his graph's going up. And, gee whiz, is he having a good season this year? Crikey. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Loving it. So, yeah, so that's that's where I see it. What about no, Jared right. playing, playing against his old side? And I thought he had a bloody super game. Yeah. A nah, little, I... little bit nervous early, uh, but he, I thought he settled those nerves really well. And his last three quarters were just phenomenal. I, uh, yeah, look, I, I was so happy that we got him. I saw the kid play when he was really young at Woodville West Torrance, and I saw him play in the SNFL final series and take teams apart. And I said, man, this kid can play. And I actually had him, I really liked Brody Smith, but I thought, I reckon he's a bit better. Um, and, you know, there are only two kids at the time, but I said, geez, I like this lad. And the thing was, he was left-footed. That was the thing that, you know, they get out of trouble and you could see where Hawthorne were going with all their left-footers. And I was so excited. But what I've seen in him since was he, he can clear. You know, he can. He, he's very good at clearances and he's very good overhead for such a lightly framed guy. He can take some really good overhead marks. And when he, when he lifts and gets into it, he's got X factor. And, that, and that's the thing that I reckon we didn't have for so long. I was calling games, uh, you know, every week and looking at our midfield and without, you know, naming names because I loved all of them. But they're all 
you know, as quick as I was. Um, <laughs> you know, absolute diehard players, but they're all in the centre square at once. Yeah. And I was looking at it thinking, mm. oh, we have no no X factor in there. And now, now it just runs so deep with guys that just do things that you're just not expecting. You've, you know, they're not robots. You've got players like Wingard. You've got players like Robbie Gray that, and Pollock that just get out of trouble all the time. They just do things that you just can't, you just don't expect. And you love it. Boke's another one. And they're just electric around stoppage. And, and when you've got them combining together, it's just, uh, it's awesome to watch. How good was his goal on the weekend? Stunning. Awesome. You know, yeah, incorrect, incorrect body position, you know, sort of facing to the pocket instead of the goals, but still was able to get the ball on the boot in the, uh, in the correct manner. Um, I, you know, it was just a, an amazing goal. But um, while you're talking about Pollock, I, um, I've created a new award. You know, you've got um, Bob Murphy's Rascal of the Week, and uh, you've got Danny Frawley's uh, The Golden Fist. And so now we've got um, Rick Neuenhoven's Tango Uncoordinated Person of the Week Award. And I've given it to Jared. I've given it to Jared Polek for his third man up effort in the second quarter. Craig was sitting next to me. Jared runs in, tries to jump for the ball, gets nowhere near the ball, takes out Matt Loby, and I think the ball hits the ground. It was the worst third man up spoil I reckon I've ever seen. And well done, Jared. It, it, uh, it gave me a massive chuckle. <laughs> uh, and well deserved. Well deserved, yes. He'll work on that during the week so he can give that award to somebody else, I'm sure. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys, what about your best players? Rick, mate, I'll start with you. Who was your, uh, I guess, your top five, if you can limit well, it to that? Oh, look, it's very hard. I, um, it's a, It was sort of a flip of a coin for me uh, between Brad Ebert and, and Travis Boak. I've ended up going Brad Ebert. I, I just thought, um, yeah, his, I guess his tackles over the line is one percenters, and I'm, that doesn't take anything away from Travis, but I thought... Uh, Brad was, you know, very influential with that first half, especially. Um, and then Travis set up a great captain's game. We, uh, I asked for it two weeks ago, and you saw it build last week, and he almost got there. And, and this week, he he delivered and, and stood up. Um, I had Matty Broadbent third. I thought he, his composure down back was fantastic. And, you know, I remember listening in the car, watching my boys play footy when he was uh, just drafted to us playing SANFL and, and the commentators back then were saying that this guy's too good for SANFL and be a 200-game AFL player, and, and he's really tracking that way. Um, I had Justin Westhoff in there fourth. I thought he, I thought he was, again, a great performance um, from him, great contested marking, and he was influential when we needed him to be. And, uh, and Jay got in on the end of it, and, but he's always a tireless worker, and the seven goals um, was very deserved because there's some games where he plays great games and he only gets two or three, so he deserved his seven goals, and I'll give him the fifth best on ground. Beautiful. What about you, Timmy? Yeah, look, you're right. Difficult. Gee, you could you could wrap up a dozen quite easily. But look, I went I went uh, both best game, and I think it was the most sort of touches he ever had. But you know, when the ball's in Travis Boke's hands, something happens, yep. and uh, his clearance work is getting better and better. So yeah, Bokey, eBay because uh, again that that one percent of stuff and that rundown stuff, the just leading by example, superb. I, I thought he was. Superb. Really good again. Uh, I went Robbie Gray. I just think that that man is uh, creating something out of nothing all the time and 
man, they would find it hard to match up on him because he's playing forward and then he's going in the middle and just getting clearances, which you, you just get super excited about when he's in there. So that was great. Matty Broadbent's game, superb back there. Um, best one, and uh, I gave my little mate Sammy Gray a vote because I thought he was awesome in debut, and you know he had seven touches, I reckon, in the first quarter before he hurt his arm, and then come back on and kicked another couple and made a few people look silly. So, now nah, the little fella got a, a vote on debut. Fantastic. I had uh, I had Bokey, uh, the big captain. I mean, what a performance! Forty-one touches, six inside fifties, eight clearances, three goal assists. I mean, he did everything on the weekend. I thought Brody was second best on ground. He was fantastic. Just just his courage in going for those balls in defense. And then he just bolts off. And you know he's going to hit those targets with his kicks. He's Good just, long just, kick, isn't he? Oh, fantastic. He's just become such an important player for our club. Mm. Um, I agree with the call on Robbie Gray. I thought he was absolutely stunning. All he had to do was kick a few more of those goals. And he would have been best on ground by an absolute mile. He had three goal assists and two goals. 29 touches. And yet, I get... I pretty much get hard when he goes into the middle because his clearance winning ability is just phenomenal. Mm. Um, Matty White, that's by far the best game I've ever seen him play. 26 touches, three goals, and a couple of goal assists as well. And uh, someone we haven't mentioned yet, but Ollie Wines just keeps on improving at, at, at such a meteoric rate for such a young kid. 28 touches, a goal, you know, three goal assists as well. He just can't put a foot wrong. Oh, look, all the names deserve it, don't they? I mean, there's no, you can keep mentioning people. You know, we haven't even got down back and, and given, you know, besides uh, Brody, we haven't given any of those blokes any, any votes. So, yeah, look, it was, it was very hard, and, and that is the way it should be. Otherwise, when you're scratching around for a, a best three, as I know that we were in the commentary box some nights going, well, who can you give a vote to, you know? Mm. Now, mm. it's like, who, who do you leave out? That's a hard thing. Yeah. Uh, how, how did good. you find uh, Impey's game up forward? Oh, you know what? I, I reckon, I reckon he's enjoyed the freedom um, since the early days of being down back. I reckon he's he's really enjoyed the freedom of being up. And there was just one passage of play, and it might have been the last quarter, but he, it was a bit of a fifty-fifty. He ran straight through the line of it, two, th- through two Brisbane players, and got loose and got the ball and kicked it. And I think we got a mark and a goal. Uh, that was mm. to me just that's confidence that's confidence now in yourself at that level and and uh, I was really excited by that and for him as well because he's got some tricks about him I worry about that but he's uh, he's also doing the stuff that Kenny loves the most and that's just being super competitive uh, when the footy's in your area so nah no I'm uh, he's, he's he's growing you know every every week every game and just finally, there's. I think Tim Macker, you guys could probably help me with this, but you could start see, start to see a bit of a trend now with start some of the stats. And uh, I know sometimes we can go over the top with stats, but you know Port's right up there now with the with the average kicks uh, in the AFL. Our disposals uh, are right up there in the AFL. Uh, we're top with contested marks, and then you go to this anomaly where we're down. Uh, ranked 15th or equal 15th um, with Geelong for clearances and our stoppages. We're down with Geelong uh, 16th. Um, What's going on there? I thought the clearances and the stoppages were the most vital part of the game, but, you know, two of the good teams in the competition this year are down the bottom of the ladder for those stats. Mm. Yeah. Now, I think Geelong's been like that for a while. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, keep being a top four side. So, yeah, there's more to 
the game than just that. And sometimes stats can be, you know, very deceiving. So, no, that's a good call. I think at times, and you, you saw this in the slowdown, uh, sorry, the showdown, I've got to get that <laughs> word right. Um, in the showdown, in the second one, second round two, there was a period of time when, when Adelaide hit the front, I think they won like six centre clearances in a row. And that's where I think we get hurt a bit sometimes. We're just having moments in those first few rounds and certainly not on the weekend. But that centre clearance stuff can really hurt us sometimes and we've just got to make sure that we're on our, on our game. And, you know, if an opposition win two or three against us, that we lock that down to be, you know, a real fight in the next couple to make sure we don't lose like those six or seven in a row because it can be very, very hurting when you're uh, trying to regain the momentum. So, yeah, I reckon that's probably where, we, where we've fallen down at times. Well, look, let's, uh, let's talk about well, the thought... next uh, brilliant game on the weekend, which is the Port Adelaide Magpies. Uh, I almost don't know where to start with this because it was just such a debacle uh, from Glenelg's point of view. It's their biggest loss in their entire history, Glenelg Footy Club. 152 wow. points. Port Adelaide won 29 goals, 15, 189 to 5 goals, 737. It was 10 goals, 4 to 1 behind at quarter time. We kicked 8 goals to nothing in the last quarter. You look at the stats and it's just diabolical. I mean, we had 160 more disposals, 80 more marks, uh, 45 more inside 50s. Uh, we just dominated. It was ludicrous. Look, in the end, it was it was an incredibly embarrassing loss, and I don't know that uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen them that that bad um, against Port Adelaide. But look, um, the thing was, I remember I walked downstairs because I was at a, um, a past player thing they did before the game to to honour the guys that they've called the John Cale Wing, and the uh, got Jeff Motley Gates and Bob McLean Gates and. Uh, They've got to Tim Evans' end and the uh, Scotty Hodges' end for the goals and things like that, which was really nice. And I came downstairs at quarter time, and of course everybody's buzzing. And I said, "Who can remember the last time we kicked ten goals in a quarter?" And you know, the, everyone was going scratching their heads and said, "Was it was it back in the eighties or the nineties?" Because <laughs> it had been a long time since that that sort of a quarter had happened, and mm. it was so sort of it was pleasing, but geez, it was a bit of a shock. I got to say, and it wasn't what we expected. We expected a bit of a, especially a tough opening, but to, to kick ten four to a point, it was just a bit bit numbing to tell you the truth, but very enjoyable. Um, there was some wag down there that said that they should do ten four hundreds for not kicking thirty. Uh, goals, so there was, there was <laughs> that ruthless attitude was still around the crowd. Don't worry about that, but uh, it was uh, certainly a day out. I mean, if you if you couldn't get a touch or a kick or get involved in the game somehow uh, in the port side, then uh, you, you weren't trying. But there was a, uh, probably the supplementary players that I was keeping an eye on too. That Ben Haran, who is yes. uh, just a young man, he's about mm. twenty twenty one. He very early got drafted. Uh, and which can happen, as I said earlier, to a lot of kids, and they, they go into the system at 18 or 19, get spat back out, and they lose all their confidence. And Benny was definitely one of those. And uh, um, having known his, his parents um, reasonably well, John brought him up for a chat one night, and, and we had a bit of a yarn, and I sort of spoke about those things I spoke about earlier, about you know creating your own desire and, and how you work towards it. And 
I've just been keeping an eye on him, and he's getting better and better, and the confidence that he showed on the weekend uh, was really good, marking well and kicked a really nice goal around his body off the boundary line. And Yeah, no, so I'm, I was I was really impressed with his game and having Stephen Summerton lead the way, and he was definitely leading the way. I mean, uh, 36 touches I reckon he had, and he doesn't waste any Summo. He's just an absolutely gifted player when it comes to, to vision and hitting targets. So... He's an absolute ripper, but uh, and then Henry Slattery, I thought was the best game he's played for the for the footy club, uh, yeah, being well. involved. So I was really happy with him and uh, and the way he went about his work. So that was that was really good, really really good stuff. Benny Haran could be an absolute superstar. I mean, he's basically he's the NFL. Oh, he is. He's the SNFL version of Westhoff, really. I mean, mm. there's not many players going around that can do. All three things. He's a triple threat because he can play key position forward, key position defender, and in the ruck, and do it all at a very high standard. There's yeah, not many correct. players that can do that. No, it's spot on, and uh, it's just an amazing thing when you when you can get some some confidence in your in yourself. And unfortunately, it does uh, knock a lot of the lads around when they do get drafted at a young age and, and spat out the system very quickly. It does really knock them around because they they feel like oh. Well, I've made it. You know, I've been drafted. That's what it's mm. all about. That's what the dream's been through all my junior system and rah, rah, and here I am. And then maybe a year or two later, I'm out. What happened there? What was mm. that all about? And then mm. they can play horrible football. They can be lost, you name it. And it can, they either never get it back or they have to work extremely hard to get it back and, uh, and realising, okay, so what is next? What is the next goal for me and how do I set myself about doing that? So... Um, yeah, no, very pleasing. I had, I had a very similar situation with a guy called um, Stevie Eichner. Now, yep. Stevie came back. He got he got drafted at a young age to Collingwood, spent a couple of years over there, came back, and I'm telling you, he was. I, I went to see him and I said, look, um, he's playing on the wing and he wasn't getting a touch. And we just said, look, we're thinking about playing you on the full back line. You know, you, you, you're quick, you kick long. Um, we haven't got any run out of there. We're just thinking about doing that. So he was in the reserves, of course, and he said, Oh, he said, I was a week away from going to the country to play. <laughs> and, and this is how quick it can happen to these lads. And uh, I said, well, do you mind if we, we try this? No, 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 I've played back before. I'd love to. So his first week, he was better. And then his second week, he was in the best three. And his third week, he was best on. And fourth week, he played league footy. And he finished the year off in the league team and was, you know, like a rising star. He was going that well. And then uh, the following year, he got to about round five or six and we were we were absolutely tearing it up at the time, and he um, made the state team and a horrendous knee injury. And, One of the worst uh, injuries I've ever seen. Yeah, horrendous. absolute shocker, and the poor bugger never recovered from it, unfortunately, and, mm. and you know, really did lose his confidence, and he, and he just said, I haven't got any confidence in my leg anymore, Timmy. I don't have the same acceleration and everything else. It was just such a tragic story because it was exactly that, spat out the system, got his confidence back to the point where he's a state player. You know, and I think mm. personally would have been redrafted into the system because he was just he had too much going for him, um, height wise, speed, kick, you name it. So, real, real sad story that one. But I hope for Benny Harwin that his turns out to be a really good story. I would love for us to pick up Benny at the end of the year. I reckon he's well, this a, is, he's a it, big chance. To tell you the truth, that's probably been the sort of dream is that uh, because of what's been put upon us as far as our development zones and all the rest of it as of 2015 um, we've got to keep finding Port Adelaide people in Port Adelaide areas, bring them into our system and developing them into being an opportunity to play SNFL league football for Port Adelaide 
And if they're good enough, they get drafted. Now, if it's not necessarily to our club, that's okay. But we'll get you home. We'll get you home eventually, as we did with Brad Ebert. Yep. And you'll play for Port Adelaide, and that's got to continue. Great call. Fantastic call. Yeah. There you go. Where do you that's see? Uh, where do you see Benny Newton sit, sitting in the big scheme of things? Because he's had a massive game on the weekend again. Thirty-one touches, ten marks. He's dominated the clearances and kicked a couple of goals as well. Um, Benny's been one of those slow burner players, uh, and and I probably liken him to you know a Josh Carr situation where it took time. This lad is very smooth, and you know you got to remember he's away from home and all the rest of it. I reckon it's taken a long time for him to find his confidence uh, at any level, and now he knows that I'm good enough well and truly at SNFL level and now he's getting such consistency in his in his football that he's going to break he's going to break through an opportunity's going to come he's going to get it and that's when he's got to take it so i really like the way he moves he's smooth as and now that he's getting a lot of touches he's doing more with and and you can develop more then because all the things they're asking you to do well the more you get older the cod well the more opportunity you got to improve those things that they're asking you to do so i think he's at a at a really good level at the moment and uh, one that he should be very proud of for the for the work that he's done to get there. So I just hope that um, he continues this and does get an opportunity at the AFL level. It reminds me so much of Salopet. Just the way he moves, the way he kicks, everything about him. Yeah, I actually think he's probably a better kick. Yeah. Mm. Um, Sal, now and again, just used to get a little bit up up and under, a little bit Simon Tregenzer-ish. And, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> yeah, get under that one, boys. Um, and he improved as, a, as a, a kick, old Sal, and I liked him as a player. But I think I think um, Benny's got a better uh, lower punch on his kicks that uh, um, can be, you know, quite good to be on the end of. So what did you guys think of Tom Clory's game? If uh, if Homsch could maybe have a bit of an injury, do you think he'll be the one that might just slot in straight for uh, uh at the back there? Uh, it was a big a big improvement. I actually I don't know, I reckon there was a few blokes down in that first week and Tommy was one of them against Norwood and uh he just bounced back superbly. I think, you know, knocked him around. You know, it was an it was an unfortunate dropping because you know, mm. the senior Senior defender came back in Carlisle and, you know, he'd Well, he he'd played done, well in the AFL level. He had done nothing wrong. He'd no, done nothing wrong. wrong. But you, it's the old story. You can't let it get into your subconscious and feel sorry for yourself um, because then you turn you, out a performance that's not up to scratch. So he, he bounced back superbly, as did a lot of players, and, and I was really happy with him. So, yeah, if, uh, if I would think if um, Homshi didn't come up, then Tommy would be able to fill that void immediately. Well, I had him definitely in our top three yesterday. I thought he was fantastic. He played on Mitch Thorpe, who's a big boom recruit for Glenelg, and he yep. kept him to a, to about nine touches and five marks, and, and he really had no influence on the game at all. And Tommy's yep. just uh, creativity coming out of defence is just such a great thing for our, for our club at the moment. Nah, he's, a, he's an absolute ripper, so uh, nah, full ticks to him. Absolutely superb game. How did you see uh, Johnny Butcher's game? I think it was far better. Um, the fact that he's kicked five goals, one, really, really does help. And I just like the way he moved around. And he looked just far more confident when he did have his opportunity at goals, um, which was really good. And I've noticed that he's been getting that ball drop a lot closer to his to his foot, which is really good. Yep. Um, and that'll give him confidence. I mean, kicking 5-1 and, and having that many opportunities is, is a really good thing for him. But, you know, I, I even heard Cam Mooney say that, 
he's just so disappointed. They were talking about Richmond. He's so, so disappointed with uh, Tyson Vickery that he said, look, uh, he just doesn't give effort at times. He's got this, that and the other. He said, you know, you can say what you like about John Butcher. He said, but he gives you effort. He gives you contests and he rarely gets outmarked. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's a really good rap from a what was a really good key forward in the AFL. But, uh, you know, Johnny does those things and he's a bit of a cult. Hero, you know, every time he grabs it, there's that little buzzer around the ground. There he and is, uh, and uh, I think people want him to do well. They're, they're willing him to do well, and I think I'm one of those as well. How do you see his ability to read the the, uh, the ball coming in? Because that's something I've noticed, especially this year. He sort of, it's almost like he overleads and then has to double back a bit. Yeah, I've always sort of thought that it hasn't been a natural uh, gift for him and that he's had to work at, uh, judging it, and yep. you did right. Sometimes he's he's well and truly five meters underneath it, you know, um, and gone. How did, how did he misread it that badly, you know? Um, so it, it's sometimes hard, you know, when you're a gifted reader of the ball, as uh, <laughs> as mm. as we all were. Um, then it's very difficult when you think, how does how does he misread that? But I think at, at times his uh, keenness and enthusiasm to to you know. Be uh, a contested ball player that sometimes he just takes off too quickly and he hasn't read the read the ball or kept his eye on it perhaps. So I'd have to watch him a bit more closely and and actually you know in a, in a coach's mode rather than you know having a good time on my birthday. <laughs> 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 oh dear, but it wasn't enjoyable. Let me tell you. I just noticed that uh, one of the forum favourites, uh, Cam Hitchcock, uh, kicked another five goals. He just keeps. String it up at SANFL level, but just can't make that uh, progression at the AFL. Seems to always get injured. And Tim, the other one I wanted to quickly ask you about is uh, how you're seeing uh, Jake Need going. He, uh, you know, after his great influence last year, he seems to have dropped off a little bit and and fallen into the behind the scenes mode. Um, you know, but I thought he was fantastic last year, and I'm really hoping that he can uh, push his way forward again and try and get into the team maybe uh, end of this year or 2015. Yeah, well, Jake's probably 19 going on 20. Um, again, I'd be saying to him, what, what we've got to do with Jake, when the ball's in Jake's hands, uh, that's fine. You know, uh, good decision-maker, good by hand, good by foot, so... That, that that's that's no dramas, and we know that he can put forward pressure on and run people down. I think what we've got to get Jake doing is not having the thirty or forty minute gaps. And and in all honesty, what I've seen from about round five last year to today is I see him disappear for twenty thirty minute gaps where he just he doesn't touch it and he's not involved. And that is just too big a space in any football game to to not be involved. And whether that's a concentration thing, a work rate thing, um, that's what I would be speaking to him about and saying, okay, how do we get active? What are you thinking about during the game? Where, where's your concentration levels? Are you talking? Are other people bringing you into it? And maybe even buddying him up with somebody on the oval to say, uh, Jakey, you on? You're concentrating? You're with us? Right, come on, mate, let's go. Right. Because he must fade out in concentration because you can't go missing for those lengths of time and not touch the footy. So that's that's where he's at, and, and I'll be trying to narrow that gap every week to say, oh, okay, well, you only had a, you know, a 10-minute period where you didn't touch it. That's good. You know, we're narrowing it down, you know, so you're always involved. And that's that's where I'm trying to, to work with him because I don't think there's any problems when that ball's in his hands. Um, so that's what I've been trying to 
do over the next uh, few months with Jake. But the issue for him and, and for Cam Hitchcock, who, had, who did have a day out uh, at Alberton, is that uh, now it's getting really deep to get into the team and to get opportunity because when you've had Sammy Gray go in and do what he's done, um, then he's going to be looked at favourably if the next opportunity comes along. So you've got Kane Mitchell who keeps on keeping on um, and he'll always keep pressure on um, because of his work rate and the way he goes about his footy. So it's that smallish player that also needs to be able to, I think, go into the midfield. And that's what I've loved about Ken this year is he has put whoever his sub is straight into the midfield and any debut player gets a run through the middle as well. And even Sammy Gray got a centre um, square opportunity, which he's very familiar with and will do well as well as uh, anybody in there. So yep. I think they've got to be able to add that string to their bow as well as being good small forwards. Just quickly, I guess, while, while we've got you here and with your experience... Um, you know, we had a, a post at Porsche um, a couple of weeks ago uh, make comment that it's taken two people from outside of the club, e.g. Foss Williams and, and now Ken Hinkley, uh, which is still a bit of an early call, I guess, but bring Port Adelaide football back to Port Adelaide, so to speak. Do you see a lot of um, similarities in Ken as the coach with Port Adelaide football? Because I certainly seem to. Yeah, look, I, 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 this club's been the most successful football club in Australia for 140 years. Why would you, why would you deviate from the attitude and the mentality that has made it so great? And and they they were the things that were making me bash my head on the table for five years, but I just couldn't understand why we were, you know, for me the the two words that I used in in sort of those five years was that we were becoming passive and pathetic and everything that was coming out of our mouths uh, was excuse-laden. And it was everything that I'd been, you know, ingrained not to do. Uh, uh, John Cale would, would stand up after us and say, uh, no excuses, we weren't good enough today. We just weren't good enough. But I can guarantee you we will work hard to make sure that that is rectified next week. I'm telling you now, we won't, we won't cop it because you don't accept it. As, as in supporters, members, you know, and, and we don't accept it. So we're going to do something about it. And there would be no excuses. And that's what was frustrating the life out of me, is why would you deviate from the very things that made this football club such... You know, when I heard that uh, players were being told after a loss that, you know, our supporters should be happy with that, I nearly vomited. Mm. Mm. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but you haven't been playing at Port Adelaide long enough. Um because you would never say that. You would never say that. And uh, that that was where we were at. And, you know, the thing about somebody like Ken Hingley comes in, and I've sp- spoken to him a couple of times, and he kept saying to me about this, that, and the other, and I don't get it to me. What about this? What about that? And I go, Ken, just keep doing what you're doing, brother. We're loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he gets it. He understands that this is a tough, uncompromising football club, one that doesn't make excuses, one that's done that. You know, he's... He's doing his own little history projects and coming to me when I'm watching train or something saying, what about this and what about that? And I'm going, geez, I'm loving this bloke. He's, he's, <laughs> he's all over it. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, no, look, excited about that. But you know what? Even, even Keith Thomas, you go, he's talking about things, you know, in the, when you're trying to explain about how 
we were separated as, as uh, two Port Adelaide's and all that through that 97 to 2013 period that when you're trying to get your head around that stuff when you're from the outside and then you come into it, they just don't get it and they didn't understand it. I said, well, you know what? We've been battling for 13 years. Mm. You know, it's, it's mm. just been really difficult. Um, and that whole whole separation, segregation, confusion, you name it, about, you know, who was Port Adelaide. I said, well, I said, I didn't, with all my teammates, get told that we have to win a premiership for us to get the second licence for a decade to get us in. I didn't do that. and None of our mates did that so that we could be told that there's one Port Adelaide over there and another one over there. There's only one Port Adelaide. It's 5015. <laughs> that's, the, right. that's the whole thing. It's a community, it's a family, it's everything. And, you know, I'm so wrapped that all of that's coming back to the one mentality, uh, which is what Port Adelaide's always been. And Ken Hinkley embraces it greatly. As Ken Hinkley said around about the end of last year, he said, I reckon I was born to coach this club. And he he just fits in so well. Yeah, spot on. And uh, look, gee, if, you know, if he wants to stay for... Another five or six years, and I'd let him. <laughs> I would absolutely let him. And uh, we've never been. The thing is, you know, it's funny. People go, "Oh, you know, Port Adelaide have to go outside their own." No, it's nothing to do with that. We've, we've. Some of our greatest champions have come from elsewhere, but mm. they come in to an environment. And this was one of the sayings that we had when we were playing through that period of time, eighties and nineties. We don't pretend to create champions, but we'll create an environment where champions are inevitable. Mm. And that's what happened during that era. A, a, a bloke called Ray Buckley brought his son to us because he said, I want him in the right environment. Mm. And Nathan Buckley became a champion, and you know most of it through himself and the way he goes about life, but he became a champion inside an environment that taught him how. An uncompromising, ruthless football club that, taught him the disciplines and the and the and the absolute desire to be the best and he he loved it he lapped it up and he embraced it and off he went and 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 it just continued on there's so many lads that came through the football club but then we yeah we'd get blokes like Paul Rosonico and Richard Foster who come over to play you know and Russell Johnson who said that he was coming over for one year you know, we can't get rid of them blokes. They're still here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're still gnawing the crap out of me. <laughs> and I love it. They love it. They are so Port Adelaide. And, you know, one was Carlton, one was Collingwood, you know, and mm. it's just fantastic. And we've never pretended. You know, Bomber Clifford won three BNFs. He is a Port Adelaide man. You know, he mm. came from elsewhere. So it's not, it's not the fact that we don't embrace anybody that comes from elsewhere. It's just you've got to be – you've got to be – of like mind and be prepared to, you know, stand up and embrace the expectation that comes upon you when you play for Port Adelaide. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think Mac is just crying in the background, Tim. That's just summed up what every Port supporter has thought for the last 140 years. Yeah, mm. correct. Brilliant. And, and it was, you know, it was something that I grew up, Loving, but then you know you you get the honour to 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 wear the the Guernsey and and what I would said represent your community, then that's just you know 
that's that's a that's an honour for you. That's a gift for you. But you don't waste it, and you don't dishonour it. And then when you're out of it, I always said I grew up loving it. I was a supporter. I had the opportunity to play and loved it. And now I'm a supporter again. And you do whatever you can to make sure that you're contributing to the football club in some manner. And we can all do it. Doesn't matter what we are. Simply by being a member is one thing. You know, don't tell me you support us. If you can be a member, be a member. Don't be lazy on it. That's it. Absolutely. And it's just little things about talking to people as well. You know, um, you know, if you know someone in business, you can just have a chat to them and, uh, and you never know what can arise. There's always, uh, there's always opportunities, but you've, uh, uh, you've just got to talk and, uh, and ask the right questions. And any, any one of us supporters can, uh, can do good things to help the footy club. And it just doesn't always have to be on the field as players. Yep, spot on. Absolutely. And we all contribute in other ways. And I've had many, uh, you know... Uh, over the journey, people that were, you know, in the what was the old vice presidents group that was just a group of people that wanted to support the club in a, in a more financial way, but they would just say that, look, I, I couldn't kick the ball and hit a barn, you know. I just wasn't – I loved the game, but I just wasn't good at it. But this is my way of contributing. This is my way of, you know, being able to be a part of the football club. And, and I just used to love that passion because they've got the same desire and everything else that we've got. And uh, – mm. Those that are fortunate enough to represent it on the field, well, that's awesome. But you're also representing those people. Absolutely. Well said, Timmy. Mm. Pleasure. Yeah, well, I'd firstly just like to say, Tim, thanks for coming on. I'd like to uh, thank Matt Sullivan for giving the introduction to for you to introduce and meet us uh, uh, to come on the show as well and I appreciate him and you making the time and the effort to, to help support the podcast and and Tim, hopefully um, we I'm hitting up here and haven't even mentioned it to you before, maybe we can get you back at a later date when a convenient time maybe to talk about your career with Port Adelaide in a bit more detail and I'd love to hear a bit more about the one club. Um, I think a lot of supporters out there have got a lot of gratitude for what you and uh, George Fiacci uh, did standing up and, and fighting the battle to try and unite the club and, and as a supporter I'd just like to say thank you very much for the passion, um, not on the field, uh, but on, for on the field but also for off the field because you guys were a big driver on getting the club to where it is today and, and that isn't forgotten by the supporters. Yeah. No, pleasure to be on because you, you, you're actually talking about my favourite subject, so I've got no problems there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, if you want me back, I, mate, I can tell stories till the cows come home. No dramas at all. <laughs> what an yeah, absolute but... pleasure it's been to have you on and, and give your insights on our fantastic footy club. No, nah, been a pleasure, and uh, yeah, let's keep on our uh, merry winning way. It'll be terrific, and love to join you. Maybe hopefully just before the finals campaign, maybe, eh? Gearing that up. That'd be great. Absolutely. Sensational. We'll get that Excellent. sorted. Appreciate it. No worries, mate. Go the power. Go the power. Go Port Adelaide. Right up towards Hodges, who leaps at it. Spectacular effort with one hand. And speaking about report cards with distinctions, here's Jimmy. One of the best games I've ever seen from him. The little rover, 18 and 5, gets his second goal. And he kept Port Adelaide in the game. Now he's probably stitched it up.